0: Amen. Give, give, give thanks. Amen. Well, again, last week we talked about, I'm thankful for Jesus today. I'm thankful for family. Hans and I like to walk together, and the other day we were walking, and as we were walking at this particular place, there was a police officer who pulled in at the place where we were at, and he got out of his car. And so I have high respect for police officers, first responders, men and women in the armed forces. And I just said to him kind of tongue-in-cheek, I said, everybody in our city behaved today. And he said, not a chance. And uh, I said, why do you think there's so much crime and violence in our city? He didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to ponder on it. Here's what he said. We have lots of crime and violence in our city because of the breakdown of the family. And he went on to talk about kids and then he talked about moms and dads and teaching responsibilities, but the family. I want to ask you today here in worship with us, how would you describe your family? And I want to do so in the context of the analogy of a car. Would you say your car is running well? Would you say your car needs some maintenance? Or would you say your car is broken down on the side of the road? In light of your family, how would you describe your family? Would you say your family is running well? Would you say your family needs some regular maintenance? And then how many would be so transparent and honest to say, my family is broken down and we're on the side of the road? We need help. I'm thankful for a family. Now, if your family's broken down and you feel like you're on the side of the road and you're not functioning very well and moving forward, why, why is that the case? Why do we see that not only in our city, in our county, but across the nation as well? Why, why is that the case? Here's some things. Sometimes we just don't do regular maintenance. Uh, we, we don't go in and do regular maintenance say, we need a tune up here and this needs attention. We just don't do that. There are times our families end up on the side of the road because we ignore the warning light. How many of you have seen the warning light come on your car and, and you just hope it goes away? Maybe the bulb will burn out or you take duct tape and put over it so you don't see it, but you just ignore the warning light. Many times in family life, we end up on the side of the road because we simply ignore the warning light. And then how many of you just pay no attention to the owner's manual? Now, there are times if our car's not doing something well, Angie would reach in the glove box and pull out the owner's manual and figure out exactly what's going on. The owner's manual, as we know, is God's word for us who are, who are married and families. It's, it's the word of God. And then how many families are sitting on the side of the road and they know they're broken down, but they refuse to call for help? if you know if your car breaks down you're going to need to call AAA. you're going to need to call someone because you you need help you're not going to be able to fix it yourself so somebody's going to have to help you as families we need to do the same so let me ask you in your family if you're not running well you're on the side of the road i want to ask you today are you willing to do some regular maintenance on your marriage and your family are you willing to pay attention to the warning light, to the warning signs they're going off and something's not going well? you can't ignore that. you need to pay attention. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to look at the owner's manual, which is God 's word, and say, "God, what do you say to me as a wife? What do you say to me as a husband?" God, what do you say to me as a father, as a mother? What do you say to me as a child? What does God's word say? And then how many of you are gonna be vulnerable enough to say this? I'm broken down on the side of the road or we're broken down on the side of the road and we need help. And who are you gonna call? The Lord, but also those of us who are believers in Christ. We wanna come alongside you and help you. And so as you look at this text here in Colossians 3, beginning in verse 18, you must realize if you're going to understand Colossians 3, beginning in verse 18, you've got to understand Colossians 1, verse 1, but also up through chapter 3, verse 17. If You've got to put this in context because you need to know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. You need to know how to have a personal relationship with him because it talks about how he went to a cross and was nailed on a cross for our sins, for our forgiveness. But you also need to understand how do you walk with him in life? And so through the inspiration of the Apostle Paul as the Holy Spirit used him to write Colossians, he's given us insight. This is who Jesus is. Here's how you have a relationship with him. And then here's how you walk with him in your spiritual life, in your Christian life with the Lord Jesus. How do you do that? A couple weeks ago, had an opportunity to have lunch with, I think it was seven men from our church. Sitting around a table, and uh, those men have been married for a long time, families, uh, their spouses are in heaven today. And so I sat around this table with these men and I just had the opportunity to ask them some questions to say in reference to marriage and family to say, what advice would you give couples when it comes to marriage? And I can't give you everything they said, but let me give you just some nuggets those men, been married many, many years. Again, they're spouses in heaven today. I said, but what would you say to husbands and wives? And here's something they said. To husbands, I'd say this. Love your wives more than you love yourself. Now, I thought some women would say amen right there. Uh, pretty quiet. But that's a good place to say amen if you're your wife. But they said, make sure you love your wives more than you love yourself. Oh, they also said this. Don't sweat the small stuff. There are many things going to come in marriage, going to come in relationships. Everything's not big. Just don't sweat the small stuff. But but love her and don't sweat the small stuff. And then I talked about kids, raising kids and family. What, What would you say? What kind of advice would you give to families? And here's some nuggets that these men shared. They said, you have to realize your kids don't need you to be their best friend. Your kids need you to be mom and dad to them. They'll have friends, but they need you to be the parent, mom and dad in that family relationship. They also gave this kind of insight to say you need to think, you've got a chance. And here's what they said you've got a chance as parents if you bring your kids up in the church. The church matters. Fellowship with God's people matter, teaching and preaching of God's word, worshiping him, loving one another, sharing Jesus, making disciples. Bring your kids up in the fellowship of the church. Everything about the church doesn't always go well, but bring your kids, your family up in the fellowship of the church because we need the people of God in our lives. And they also said this, if you're gonna have a chance of the family, make sure you set your kids a great godly example. They need to see you loving Christ. They need to see you praying. They need to see you in the word. They need to see you leading them spiritually. Make sure you set them a godly, Christ-centered example. They're going to see all sorts of examples out there. But when it comes to the family, to mom and dad, they need to see you again, loving Christ, walking with him, and leading them to follow Jesus as well. And then I came back around. And I said, you men have been married a long time, raised families. Do you have any regrets if you could go back and have a redo and start over again? Are there any regrets you'd say, if I could do it, I would do this differently? Let me give you a little insight from them. Several of those men sitting around that table said this. If I could do it again, I would spend less time working and more time at home. A lot of heads are shaking. I think you agree with that. That's the lesson for all of us. Less time working, more time at home. That was said again and again and again. And one of the brothers in Christ sitting around the table said this, if I could redo it again, my wife and I, it was on our list, on our bucket list, but I would have taken her to Hawaii when I had the chance. He said, it's something we always wanted to do. It was on the list, but guess what? Time ran out. Don't, don't live with regrets. So, so when you, how would you describe your marriage? How would you describe your family? Running well? Need some maintenance? Tune up? Something's not going well? Or are you broken down, sitting on the side of the road, and you need to call for help? The Lord's help with the help of some godly people to say, we need to go in a different direction. I'm thankful for family. Now, I want to walk through God's Word today and I want to encourage you to take your teaching outline and write some notes down. I'm going to fill in these blanks for you, but I want to give you some other practical advice that we'll see from Scripture also. But when we think about these different categories that Paul is writing about here, but I want to start today, number one, with wives. Wives, follow the leadership of your husbands. Let me speak here in the beginning to husbands. Husbands in the room, husbands who are watching online, i want to encourage you to be thankful for your wives. And if you've not told her how thankful you are lately, I would encourage you somewhere today just to say, I want to thank God for you. I want to thank God for your life. I want to thank God that he brought us together. I thank the Lord for you. But also I want to encourage you, husbands, if your family is going to function well, be thankful for your wives, but also I want to encourage you this way, make sure you are giving spiritual leadership in your home. The Heavenly Father has given you the responsibility to be the spiritual leader. And I want to encourage you, take up that mantle of leadership and say that we're going to follow Christ as I follow his leadership. I'm going to lead our marriage. I'm going to lead our family. We're going to be devoted to Jesus. We're going to be involved in the life of his church. We're going to say yes to him, whatever he leads us to do. But make sure you're thankful for your wife, but also make sure you're giving spiritual leadership in your family. Now, when you come to Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, wives submit to your husbands. Many people say, I don't like that word i can't believe i'm here today of all sundays to come i have to come today to hear this message on wives submit to your husbands now understand this just because a teaching isn't popular doesn't mean it's not right now this is what the word of god says wives submit to your husbands as is fitting to the lord now two blanks here what is god not saying in this context Because again, a lot of people don't like this. This is outdated. It's irrelevant. I don't live that way anymore. But this is the teaching of the word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, as God used the apostle Paul to write this, wives submit to your husbands, follow the leadership of your husbands. What is God not saying? Let me give you some insights. He's not saying here that wives are inferior to their husbands. He's not saying that. Wives, you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the eyes of God. You are viable and have worth to him. He's not saying you're inferior. Also understand that he's not saying that you are a doormat in your marriage relationship. He's not saying that. He's also saying you're not a slave to your husband. That you have to do everything that he wants you. He's not saying that. And he's also not saying that the husband is a dictator or he says, it's my way or no way. Husbands, it is wise to listen to the advice and counsel of your wives. It is wise to do that. So that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, again, you're in fear. He's not saying you're a doormat. He's not saying you're a slave. He's not saying the husband is a dictator. But second, what does God mean then? He says in this passage, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. So what does he mean in that? He means that as a wife, that you are to voluntarily submit to your husband, follow your husband's leadership. When he says here voluntarily, what I'm talking about there is it's ongoing. Wives submit. The verb context, it just continues on. He's also saying, wife, follow the leadership of your husband. Because God wants your husband to be a spiritual leader in the family. You are to follow his leadership. But he also is saying, wife, follow the leadership of Jesus in your life. Because when it comes to husbands and wives, the truth of the matter is, according to God's word, we should all submit to the leadership of Christ. And so as we submit to the leadership of Christ, then we could submit to one another. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying in Matthew 26 about doing the Father's will, Father, may your will be done, not mine. What was he doing? He was submitting himself to the leadership of the Heavenly Father. And so as husbands and wives submit to Christ, and we have healthy relationships, healthy marriages, it's really not an issue that we submit to one another and then even wives submit to your husbands and follow the leadership of your husbands as well. So here's what God is not saying, but here's what God is saying. And here's what happens when you submit to Christ, but also as as God's word teaches, you're going to see a healthy relationship and you're going to handle disagreements and points of tension in a way by by the grace of God. You're going to see yourself responding in a way that's very different from the ways of the world. pastor one time finished a sermon series preached on marriage and the family. And so this last Sunday of the sermon series, he said in the pulpit, he said, I'm gonna be down at the entrance when you, when you lead today. And I've got these small wooden crosses. And so I'm gonna give every marriage couple here one. And he was saying to them, said that way, well, you can put it in your house in the room where you argue the most. And so when you have an argument in that room, you're gonna be able to look at that wooden cross. And it's always gonna remind you of the unconditional love that God has for you. So sure as anything, the pastor standing when they were exiting the sanctuary that day, he's got given out wooden crosses and there was a wife who came up and said, pastor, great sermon series, loved it, spoke to my marriage, spoke to my family. Thank you for giving us a cross. But my husband and me, we need five crosses because we've got a lot of rooms in our house that we have issues with. Wives, follow the leadership of your husbands. Number two, husbands, love your wives as Jesus loved the church. Now, I want to encourage you wives. I want to encourage you somewhere today as well. Say to your husbands, I thank God for you. I thank God that he brought you into my life. I thank God that you have a heart for Jesus. I thank God that you're willing to lead our family if that's the case for you. But wives, be thankful for your husbands and husbands receive the thanksgiving of your wives. Also, want to encourage you, husbands, before you take Colossians chapter three, verse eighteen, and put it on her mirror every morning that she has submit to you and to your leadership. I would encourage you to make sure you know what the next text says, where he says in this passage, "Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them." You'll need to memorize that one because when it says husbands love your wives and don't be harsh with them, this idea of love is agape love. It's a John 3, 16 kind of love and what that means is you are willing to sacrifice your life for your wife. As she submits to your leadership and then as you love her, as Christ loved the church, as he gave his life for the church. Again, when I think about the local church, you have to realize We get to be a part of the bride of Christ, but who gave his life? Jesus lived a sinless life and died on a cross and shed his blood. And he said, what? I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He gave everything for you and me as his people and his church. He gave his life for us. And so husbands, he's saying, with agape love, you are to give your lives for your wives. You are to love them and serve them. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Now, how do you do that? Look at number one, make your marriages a priority. You want to make sure your marriages are a priority in your life. It's what he says. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The church is a priority to Jesus. He loves his church. He's going to be true with his church. There are times he will discipline us. He'll correct us. He might even rebuke us as his people, but he is not going to be harsh with us because he loves us. He gave his life for us. And he's saying, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Paul says to the believers in Ephesus, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He sacrificed, he gave everything that we could be in a relationship with him and husbands, love your wives the way he loves the church. Don't be harsh with them. Make your marriage a priority. Two words you may wanna write down to say, how can I make my marriage a priority? One is time. If your marriage is a priority, you give your marriage priority in life. Second word is serve. If your marriage is a priority, you find ways to serve your wife, serve your bride. Jesus gave the church his life, time, but he also served and he sacrificed for the life of the church. If you're gonna make your marriage a priority, you must be willing to say, I'm gonna draw a line in the sand. I'm gonna spend time with my wife, less time at work. If my marriage is gonna be a priority, I'm going to serve her and meet her needs just like those godly men said, love her more than you love yourself. So make sure your marriage is a priority. Number two, show your wives genuine love. What does that mean? It means you sacrifice. You put her needs before your needs. You make sure, again, you're attentive to her needs. What does she need? She needs to feel safe. She needs to be protected. She needs forgiveness. You need to make sure that she feels all those things in your marriage relationship. Show your wives genuine love that you love her. Aren't you grateful Jesus protects us? Aren't you grateful that we are safe with him? Aren't you thankful that he forgives us when we sin? So husbands, love your wives the way Christ loves the church. There was another husband and wife. Their marriage had kind of broken down. They were sitting on the side of the road, realized they needed to get help. So they go see a marriage counselor and they're sitting on the couch with a counselor. He's sitting in a chair. They're sitting on a couch. And as they continue on, the counselor's asking them questions about their marriage relationship. And you could tell he wasn't saying a lot. She was starting to open up. Her arms are crossed. Tears started filling her eyes. She starts weeping. And then all of a sudden, the counselor realized this. And he looked at this wife in the eyes. And he spoke some tender words to her. And he took her by the hand. And then he got up and he went over to her and gave her an appropriate hug. And her demeanor radically changed. And the counselor said to the husband, said, that's what she needs. She needs your attention. She needs your affection. You need to hug her every now and then. And the husband looked down at his iPhone and said, well, I'll make an appointment. I'll bring her here every Tuesday and Thursday for the next number of weeks. I'll bring her right here. Doesn't need a counselor to do that. Needs a husband to do that. So, so wives, submit to your husband. Follow your husband's leadership. Husbands, love your wives As Christ loved the church. Look at number three children, respect the authority of your parents. As you and I think about this text here, he goes on to say, in reference to children children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Let me give you some insight here. When you think about this idea of authority, respect the authority of your parents. Is there a crisis of authority in which we live? Oh, there are times you're going to see God says if you want to be protected, live under authority. The world's going to say you need to live outside of authority, but authority matters. Aren't you thankful you live under the authority of Christ? Jesus, whatever you say, whatever you ask me to do, my yes is yes, and I'm going to obey you and follow you. I want to live under your authority. That is a protected, safe place to live. And so as you think about this, children, let me ask your parents, do your children ever try to rebel against you? Do you ever ask them to do something and they moan and groan, they don't want to do it because they don't want to live under your authority? You ever, ever have any issues like that? And so as you think about this, according to God's word, children, respect the authority of your parents. God has put them in authority over you as kids, as children. Let me give you some insight. Number one, stake the conviction that children matter. As I think about this, here's what I know. Children matter. In the eyes of God, you matter to him. Jesus loved being around children. And children loved being around him. And so you need to understand that you matter to the Heavenly Father. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He loves you. He's given you life. He's got a purpose for your life. You matter to him. Parents, I want to challenge you. I want, I want you to make sure that in some way, you always communicate to your kids that your kids matter to you. They need to know that by how you treat them, but also they need to hear that from you, that your kids matter to you. And church, I want us to make sure as well, when we look at preschoolers, I was in the preschool ministry today, in the kids' ministry today, in the students' ministry today, when I look at preschoolers and kids and students, we need to make sure that that generation knows that they matter to the Lord, they matter to their parents, but they also matter to us as a church. We need to make sure that we pray for our staff team who minister to them. We need to make sure that we've got budgeted funds to make sure that we minister to them. We come alongside parents and help disciple them so they can disciple their kids but we need to make sure that that when it comes to kids they understand they matter to jesus to you as parents but also to us as a church kids need to know that i'm afraid there are a lot of kids out there today not sure who they matter to in life I don't think they understand they matter to God. I I don't think they understand they matter to their parents. I don't think they understand they matter to churches. I think they're just wandering around, not sure who they, are they important or not or necessary or not. They just don't know. But we need to make sure that children matter. Number two, realize there's a crisis of authority. When, When you look at your home, again, in your context, not asking to answer out loud or raise your hand, but is there a crisis of authority in your family? And as I think about that, when you, again, children, God has called you to live under the authority of your parents. It's wise to live under authority. It's the world's way to live outside of authority. But God wants us to live under his authority and the authority of other people. But I want to ask you today, parents, when you look at your kids and you think about them living in your home and you think about your relationship to them, so many influences and the relationship of your kids. But I want to ask you, when it comes to music, do you know what your kids are listening to? When it comes to music, a lot of music out there is filled with violence and sexual innuendos and all sorts of messages. Do you know what your kids are listening to? When it comes to television, do you know what your kids are watching? Again, they're going to see sexual images. They're going to hear all sorts of bad violence and news. They're also going to say you can do anything you want to and there are no consequences. That is on television every single day. Do you know what your kids are watching when it comes to electronic devices? Do you know what your kids are posting on social media platforms? You need to make sure, again, it's family. If your family's going to function well, you need to make sure you're a kid, you need to understand the authority of your parents but also as parents you need to realize that that you need to lead your children to be faithful to christ and and, and to his word number three understand the roles of children here's how god designed the family children are not to lead the family parents are to lead the family edward the eighth he was a uh, the, the duke of windsor one time came to the united states and, and he came back and, and they asked him said what were your impressions about the united states and he said well it's, I, I never thought i would discover this but he said what impressed me the most is how parents obey the leadership of their kids that's kind of backwards parents god has called you to be spiritual leaders children are to live under the authority of you as parents Yet the family's gonna go well. Number four, discover what pleases God. When you look at this text again, that's where he talks about it. It'd be pleasing to the Lord. What pleases him? When somebody gets saved, that pleases him. When Jesus is exalted, that pleases him. When the word is taught, that pleases him. When the family functions according to God's word, that pleases him. And so make sure we're living lives that are pleasing to him. Number four, parents remain diligent about raising healthy children. How are you raising your kids? For some of you, how are you raising your grandkids? How do you do that? Number one, teach your children in healthy ways. Now, I want to take the opposite approach to that. I've given you four things here that I want you to write down. Here's some unhealthy ways when it comes to kids. Look at number one, neglect to spend time with them. If you want to teach your kids in healthy ways, spend time with them but if you want it to be unhealthy just neglect to spend time with it. you know how most kids uh, this was the same in my life when I was a kid you know how most kids spell love we'd say well if we were doing a spelling test it's L-O-V-E that's true most kids will spell love T-I-M-E time are you giving your kids time grandkids time how many kids today and I was doing some research even last night on this how many kids are living so isolated from their parents? Uh, you, you can be at home in the same, under the same roof together, still not be t- spending time together. But, but if you're going to teach your kids in a healthy way, spend time with them. Number two, give them everything they want. Aren't you grateful that we have a heavenly Father who has lavished us with his grace and goodness and mercy in ways that we can't even comprehend? But well, aren't you grateful that we have a Heavenly Father at times? He says yes to what we desire. Aren't you grateful at times? He says no to what we desire. Aren't you thankful at times? He says wait. And so we have a Heavenly Father. He doesn't always give us everything we want. And so parents, there are times you'll say yes, at times you'll say no, sometimes you'll say wait. But, but how many kids find themselves in a place that's it's not healthy because they simply get everything they want? Heard about these two boys, two teenage boys that were talking together one day and and one of the teenage boys said, I'm kinda of concerned about my parents and, and so the other one said, What are you concerned about? And this one teenager said, Well, my dad. My dad works all the time. My dad, he gets me everything I want. He he buys me clothes, he even bought me a new car. He gets me everything I ever asked for. he's concerned about my dad he said, my mom, my mom works daylight to dark. I mean, she is busy. She, she does all of my laundry. She cooks all of my meals. She even cleans my room. And the other teenager said, what in the world are you worried about? If your dad gives you everything you want and your mom's taking care of everything that you need, what are you worried about? And he said, well, I'm worried that they may try to escape one day and uh, run. Just be wise. Number three, use words that limit their potential. How many kids could be adults now are scarred because of words that were spoken to them much younger in life be careful what you say how many how many kids grow up sometimes and say why can't you be like your brother or sister well god created you to be who you are you're not going to always be like your brother and sister how many kids have heard these words to say why could not you do better than what you did How many kids today are scarred in life because they heard the words to say, we don't believe you're ever going to amount to much in life. That's painful to hear those words. But if you want to to derail your family and end up on the side of the road, use words that will limit their potential. Number four, maintain unrealistic expectations for them. Please understand what I'm saying. Expectations are a wonderful thing. But unrealistic expectations can be overwhelming to, to those in families. How many kids look at it and say, you know, how could I ever please God when I could never please my mom and dad? I could never please him. Expectations are great. J- just be careful about unrealistic expectations in the relationship to your kids. Number two, discipline your kid, children, in love. Discipline's a great thing. But I would encourage you, make sure you discipline them out of love and not out of anger. And then number three, train your children in the foundations of the Christian faith. Here's one of the things, moms and dads, that I would encourage you to pour your heart into, your prayer lives into, your souls into. Make sure you raise up your kids. Make sure you raise up your grandkids with a biblical worldview in life. They see life. They see decisions, they see relationships. They just see everything coming at them at a hundred miles per hour. They see that through the lens of God's word. Here's who God is, this is who Jesus is. This is what he did on a cross for me. This is how he was victorious over the grave. Jesus Christ is alive. This is what this biblical principle says. When I make this decision, this is what God wants me to do. They see life, every aspect of life, through a biblical worldview because you have taught them the foundations of the Christian faith and the Christian life. We want to complement that as a church but we want your home to be a place where theological studies are happening, where you're investing in their lives, the gospel, the good news, but the word of God because you are teaching them a biblical worldview, how to see life, how to see marriage, how to see family, how to see relationships and see it through the eyes of God because of his word. I just encourage you to do that. This morning as we bow together, we want us to pray together. And then we're going to sing a song of response here in just a moment. Let me go back to the beginning. How would you describe your family? Running well? If so, I would just say, thank you, God. You've protected us. You've equipped us. we're, We're functioning the way you desire. How many in this room, how many watching, would honestly say, in regards to your marriage or to your family, we need to do some maintenance? The warning light is on. Something's not running the way that it should. And we need help. Then how many of you would be honest enough to say, we're broken down and we're sitting on the side of the road. Here's the good news. God's not finished with you. You can say it's well with my soul. And you can say that because you can say, I have decided to follow Jesus. He changes lives, he changes marriages, he changes families, he changes churches. I have decided to follow him. I wanna invite you to do this. I wanna start, if you're watching somewhere around the world, somewhere in our city, somewhere in a community not far away, you look at your marriage, you look at your family not going well, You're willing to admit that. I just want to encourage you. Would you just get on your knees, your face before God and just cry out to him and say, God, my life's not going well. My marriage is not going well. Our family's not going well. And God, we need help. Would you just ask him to do that wherever you are around the world? And then I want to encourage you in this room. There are a lot of people in this room on the lower level, balcony. Your life may not be going well. Your marriage may not be going well. Your family may not be going well. I want to encourage you to be honest, to say the warning light is on. We're not ignoring it. We're not putting duct tape over it. We recognize the warning light is on and we need help. And it starts with the Lord's help. And in this invitation, our prayer team is going to be here but you just as an individual you as a husband and wife or you as a family with your kids grandkids maybe you need to come forward and get on your knees here in the altar and say Lord we're not functioning the way you desire and we need help and Lord it starts with you it takes brokenness to get there but where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and I pray there's freedom for you today Now, if you're here and you need to give your life to Christ, you need to be baptized, you need to join the fellowship of our church, you you want to surrender to Christian ministry or there's another issue in your life you want us to pray with you about, the staff team will be here. Our prayer partners are going to be here as well. But I pray today we see this altar filled with people making spiritual decisions or just coming and saying, God, thank you for my life. Thank you for my marriage. Thank you for my family. Or, Lord, my life needs help. My marriage needs help. Or, Lord, our family needs help. I have decided to follow Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this experience of worship today. Thank you for this invitation because Lord, we're not asking them to come to us. We're asking people and inviting people to come to you. And whether it's a spiritual decision or just to drop on their knees and pray or stand here in this altar and pray, I pray that individuals, husbands and wives and families will be willing to say, Lord, thank you that we're doing well. Or Lord, we need help because we're broken down and we don't know what to do now. And we do that because we've decided to follow Jesus. And it's in his name I pray, amen.